Hello and welcome to the Hadoop Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Stein, Head of Server Platforms for MediaLets, the rich media and analytics platform for mobile devices. Find us online at www.mediaLets.com. For today's show, we have a guest to talk to us about Hadoop, Big Data, and Cassandra. For more information about Hadoop, visit allthingshadoop.com. Enjoy the show. Well, I'd like to welcome Jonathan Ellis. Jonathan Ellis is the Apache chair for the Cassandra project, and he is also the co-founder for Riptano. Welcome, Jonathan. Thanks, Joe. So, Jonathan, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, how did you get into IT, and what specifically uh, led you to uh, working with Cassandra? So I'm one of those lucky people who knew early on what he wanted to do with his life, and I wanted to be a programmer, and uh, I, I got into that. Uh, fairly young, got a, a degree in CS, and uh, it's it's worked out pretty much uh, according to plan. I got into distributed systems a couple jobs ago at Mosey, which is a backup company that was acquired by EMC, and I wrote a system called Triton, which is the the, the storage system used for storing backups. So it was basically it was basically like a custom S3 uh, for backup data. And it had some interesting properties related to that, specifically that it was optimized for writes uh, rather than, you know, S3 is forced to uh, be more general purpose and probably optimized more for reads because of the workloads they see. Whereas because we knew we were just handling backup data, we could make some interesting uh, design decisions around that. And so that, that, uh, that, in, that worked as designed, worked at petabytes of data and, uh, you know, gigabits of, of traffic per second, and uh, you know, after that, I moved to uh, Rackspace where they wanted me to build a distributed database for them. So, uh, you know, the, some of the design principles are similar, but it's a different beast when you're dealing with structured data and relatively small amounts of uh, data per query and relatively large amount of queries per second. So I got involved with Cassandra because, uh, you know, at the time. This was about a year and a half ago. Uh, there were a bunch of uh, database, kind of, most, you know, kind of the beginnings of NoSQL databases out there, although we nobody was using the term NoSQL yet. But there was HBase, and there was Voldemort, and there was Dynamite, and there were a few others. And Facebook had open sourced Cassandra, but they kind of just dropped the code under the wall. And they haven't really tried to build a community around it. So uh, that was the, the decision was, you know, do I go with the product that has the stronger technology, which is Cassandra, or do I go with something that has more of a, a stronger community? Uh, and I figured that you know, our time frame was long enough here that I'd rather go with the, the stronger technology and build the community around it rather than uh, go for the immediate gain of the community, which felt kind of like a premature optimization. So, uh, so that, that's that's what happened. I was the first non-Facebook committer into the Apache Cassandra project, and uh, and grew it from there. We have, I believe, nine committers now, and uh, and it's it's going really well. Uh, Riptano is providing professional support and services for Cassandra, uh, so we're, we're we want to be the the red hat of Cassandra. And so we, we do a lot of training. We're doing a Cassandra training, and it's open to the public. 
in the Bay Area, uh, in Palo Alto on the 21st. Uh, unfortunately, that's already sold out, but we'll be doing more. We're, we're scheduling one in New York and one in Colorado, and I'm sure we'll be doing another one in the Bay at some point. Uh, we also do private uh, training for companies that, that want to you know, just bring us in for a day. Um, we do consulting on, on how to design Cassandra data models and uh, deploy it, and we, we do uh, production support as well. That's great. Maybe you can elaborate about around some of what the different technologies are in Cassandra. I know that it uh, it handles replication across data centers, which most other software packages, NoSQL or otherwise, don't really handle very well. Uh, what are some others? Uh, the others are yeah, yeah, that's one of the two reasons that, that people are attracted to Cassandra. The other one, mainly being simply the ability to scale. Uh, and I guess if, if you slice that down a, a little bit more. Uh, while other projects like uh, Voldemort to have a similar design for scale, uh, the Cassandra advantage there is, is having a, a richer data model, having a, a row and column data model rather than just a key and value. And you know, but, you, know, you can definitely do some useful things with, with keys and values, and, and Memcached has been proving that for a long time. But uh, it's our experience that a lot of applications really are a more natural fit when you have something that's, that has a little bit of a finer resolution and, and gets, lets you break your rows up into columns like that. So what, uh, what has been your experience with Hadoop then? Hadoop is, is a, a natural complement to Cassandra because you know, Hadoop's been focused on uh, the analytics side of big data for several years now, and they do that really well. Uh, and Cassandra is more of the online transaction-based part of big data, doing you know, millions of operations per second that are you know, all very, very small, very low latency. Cassandra does really well at that kind of workload. I think we've kind of gone to where there's kind of a missing piece of the IT puzzle, which is at when you're talking about big data, because when you're dealing with you know, a single machine's worth of data, your, your relational database can handle both the, uh, you know, the, the transaction processing and the analytics part of your data needs. And, and it's not, maybe it's not best of breed for both, but it, work, it, it works and it gets the job done. And having the simplicity of managing a single system is worth maybe trading off a bit of specialization there. And so that, that's where the interest in Hadoop on Cassandra comes in. But there's, there's two reasons, I think, for interest in Hadoop on Cassandra. One is that uh, it does get you back to this, this happy place where you're managing a single Cassandra cluster and you can do uh, your analytics against it as well as running your live application. And the other is that HDFS is kind of fragile and Cassandra is, is a much more robust system, and it kind of has to be because it's what people run, do run live applications on. You, know, you, you don't have the security blanket of, well, if it falls over, then at least I can just restart my queries after I you know, reboot the main server or whatever, and, uh, and nothing really bad happens. But, you know, that's still a pain in the butt for, for uh, the people actually managing the system. So having the, the Cassandra reliability has also been attractive uh, to, to uh, people who want to run Hadoop. 
So is there any more future for support with Hadoop and Cassandra? Yeah, it's, it's pretty... Uh, it's pretty early. I mean, we, we just did the first version of Hadoop support in 06, which was about uh, a month ago. So, uh, yeah, so we're, we're definitely making improvements to it. Uh, for instance, we just found out, I'm not a Hadoop expert. I don't have that background. Uh, so I wrote the first version of the Hadoop uh, integration, and uh, someone just uh, a week ago about pointed out that we needed to shuffle the input slips we were hand, handing Hadoop, or, or else it would just it would basically do this thundering herd on the first few Cassandra servers in the splits uh, uh, collection. And, and so we, we added that randomization, and it increased its input by like uh, 300%. So, so there's, there's some kind of uh, you know, novice mistakes from, from my ignorance in there that that are being corrected now that the people who you know, really you know, do understand the deep better are coming in and, and uh, you know, working with it. And so, so that, that's really kind of the, the power of open source because uh, you know, I, don't, I don't have to be an expert in everything and you don't have to be an expert in everything. You just have to get something that, that, that achieves the, the minimum level of usefulness and that will attract uh, talent to, to come in and, and apply their expertise to it. And Cassandra's really been successful in, in applying that model. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the um, talks that I was at recently at one of the um, Search New York meetups was around Lusandra. And I heard a very interesting use case there where uh, Lusandra, for folks that may not know, is a plugin essentially that hooks and allows Solar and Lucene to work with Cassandra so that your indexes, all of the metadata for your index is actually sitting in Cassandra. Using Hadoop to go through all of the data that you have to load up that index was very interesting to me. Are there other use cases? And, and that is actually an input, right? So it's a very non-analytics type of use for Hadoop, which for me is fantastic. I love seeing uses for Hadoop that are outside of analytics, and one with Cassandra is even better. Are there other use cases that you may have seen or maybe want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, what we, you're talking about using Hadoop as kind of a load phase for Cassandra is, uh, is that was actually one of the features that was present when Facebook open sourced it. And uh, it, it, it takes a little bit of uh, uh, work to use. It, it's not very out-of-the-box friendly, but it, it, all of the uh, bigger Cassandra installs are, are using that. Uh, and it, it works very well for that. Uh, and so it's basically using Hadoop for its ability to massively parallelize you know, you know, almost anything uh, and applying that uh, to Cassandra. Most of the other uh, uses of Hadoop are what, you know, they, they do fall into the analytics camp. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the only variation is uh, one company I know that, that's doing, uh, they, they do save loads and analytics of that bunch of data that they're loading at the same time. So it's kind of a, I guess, a hybrid of those two scenarios. Great. So w what are you up to now, Jonathan? What's next for you? Now we're, we're working hard on getting the next uh, Cassandra out, the 07 version of Cassandra, which has uh, a bunch of cool features, uh, one of which is the online management of Cassandra column families. 
column families in Cassandra are like tables in a relational database. And within each column family, you can have whatever columns you want in any row. You don't ever need to do an alter table or the equivalents of that. But creating and destroying column families themselves has historically been something you need to do a rolling restart of your cluster, meaning and you restart one machine, then you restart another. And by doing that, uh, your cluster is never completely down. It's always still available to your clients. But uh, it's, it's a pain because if you have a big cluster, that, that might take close to an hour. Uh, and and it's, it's never been a fundamental limitation of the Cassandra design. It's just been an implementation detail of, of how the uh, column family definitions interact with the commit log. And so for 07, we fixed that. Uh, so, you, so we have API calls to manipulate column families. Uh, you know, uh, touching on Hadoop, we have we have a bunch of Hadoop improvements that mostly in the area of performance improvements, but also uh, making the the Hadoop query that you you run them map reduce against uh, making that uh, richer. Right now, you, right now you can only do a map reduce against all the data in your Cassandra column family. And so you might want to give it just a range of keys that you want to operate on. And so we're adding that in Node 7. And finally, we're adding secondary indexes in 07 as well. So most NoSQL databases, uh, especially the ones that have a Dynamo-inspired design, will uh, there's, there's no way to say, give me all the users who were born in 1976. Uh, you have to you have to access things by their uh, you know, by their primary key or by their uh, you know, key value pair, and so we're we're adding uh, support for that so that you can uh, just say I want an index on the date of birth column in the users column family and be able to do that kind of query out of the box, which is you know you've been able to work around that by maintaining an index. In your application side, but uh, you know, that's that's really too low level, and we shouldn't be inflicting that on people. So we're we're adding that feature too. Right, that makes a lot of sense. One of the things that I I just thought about is um, at MediaLets, the way that we use Hadoop is we basically run and write our Java code for MapReduce jobs for processing our data, right? Getting the data into a format that we want, and then using pig for actually doing all of the queries. Do you think at some point in the future there might be some type of uh, relationship between the pig systems and the hive systems where you have this higher level query language and when they're actually going down and running at the data, someone is actually maybe hooked in Cassandra so that you could actually do pig queries on top of Cassandra? I mean, that would actually be kind of interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, we, as part of the Hadoop support we added in 06, we added pig support as well. Oh, great. So, yeah, we're, we're looking, we, we may do Hive as well in the future, but with pig getting SQL support now, uh, the motivation for doing Hive as well is, is lower uh, since it basically needs, uh, you know, it can't really reuse any of the implementation work we did for pig. It, it's, it's really its own beast. Yeah, Hive does kind of combine that whole processing the data and querying the data into one. It definitely has some specific use cases. So uh, let's say folks are running HBase. Uh, maybe they're looking at running HBase or they've already decided upon it. They already have Hadoop systems. Uh, what would be some reasons that you would suggest them to maybe go ahead and use HBase? It's good for them or where they may want to look at Cassandra 
um, how, how should folks be looking at NoSQL systems when they already have Hadoop up and running and, and think, hey, why not just install HBase? Well, most of the uh, – there, there are some people I know, some companies I know that are running both HBase and Cassandra. Uh, most of those, the ones I can think of, uh, started using HBase before Cassandra had MapReduce support. And I'm, I'm coming at it from, from the opposite background, obviously, but uh, I really think that the operational advantages of Cassandra are, are really compelling over an HDFS-based uh, Hadoop cluster for the reliability part of, part of the system, especially if, like I said, if, if you're actually running, if you want to run a live application against it, you really don't want to be where people are getting paged at 4 a.m. because the name node fell over and, and, and failover didn't work for whatever reason. HBase right now is faster at analytics workload than Cassandra is. And I believe that that's something that, like I said, we, we, we added a, a factor of three performance improvements to Cassandra MapReduce from this, this one fairly simple optimization uh, just recently. So I think that will change uh, and we will catch up. But, but if you are looking at something right now and you're primarily analytics-based, then you will probably see better performance from HBase. Well, at least while doing the MapReduce jobs, as far as writes go, right. Cassandra outper you know, outperforms HBase if it's just sitting there just doing its writes, correct? That's, that's what I've seen in, uh, in all the independent benchmarks, yes. Great. Okay. Well, I appreciate your time, Jonathan, today for uh, talking with us on the podcast. You bet.